Hello, welcome back to another episode of Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason, he is Gautham, and we're here to talk about the American League East. This is our final division preview, which means we are getting oh so close to opening day. And I am excited for that. Gowie, how are you doing today? I feel like I just watched a bunch of postseason baseball this week with the World Baseball Classic, and then we're going to go right into the regular season. I mean, I'm always yeah. game for some regular season baseball, but here we go. Same. And we will probably touch on the WBC quite a bit next week, but we do have some business that we need to finish up with our division previews. Um, if you haven't already, we have already done the other five divisions, so the American League Central and West, the National League uh, East, Central and West. So go check those out. Episodes 90, 94 through 98, um, all on your favorite podcasting platforms or here on YouTube. Um, so make sure to go check those out. Uh, let's see. I think before we get into how we wanted to go through today's division, do you have any overall thoughts about the American League East? Uh, yeah, I do. So this division is really, really good. There's no awful team in this division for sure. Red Sox may be below the others, but they could surprise us the more I've been looking into them. But the other the other teams are very strong and they've either maintained or improved uh, in the case of the Blue Jays, the Rays. I think the Rays have brought back most of their players. They didn't really go out and get any new players, but they've got a solid bunch. Yankees obviously brought back Judge, brought in Rodon, you know, made moves to get a little bit better. And then the Blue Jays also added to their starting pitching and bring back their awesome lineup and everything. So. Um, looking forward to seeing the AL East and how it plays out, even though there's going to be less divisional matchups to watch this year. Yeah. So this is a division that last year saw four teams all kind of still in it at the end of the season. I believe two of them made it to the postseason, right? Or was it three? The, I think three, actually the blue Jays, the Yankees and the Rays all made it last year. Okay. Yeah, and then the Orioles, I think, were one of the first couple teams out. They they made it to the last uh, weekend of the season. Yeah, so um, this is a division that was good last year. In in fact, it was great last year. Uh, The Red Sox were in fourth place, and they still had over like 75 wins, I think. 78 wins, yep. Yeah, so they were almost a 500 team in last place. That's not an easy feat. So... I kind of wanted to go through today and take this division that is so, so good and see if we could build essentially the best team that we could. I want to take the positional groupings. So infield, including catcher, uh, outfield, starting pitching, relief pitching, and then the overall starting lineup and take one from each team and see if we could put together the best team possible. So there's a couple of these that I think are pretty obvious who we want to take. Just some some, um, positional groupings that are just so stand out, even in this division. 
that I think we should go ahead and get those out of the way first. The first of which is, I think, the lineup. I'm not sure there's really a question about which lineup here is the best, like through and through. Is there? Yeah, for me, that this was the one that came to me first. Blue Jays lineup, that's the strongest. And there yes. are other very strong lineups. So maybe talk about those just really quickly. Yankees have Aaron Judge in their lineup, and they've got a whole bunch of other great hitters uh, in there. But, um, you know, one through but, nine, it doesn't stack up the same way as the Blue Jays does. Yeah, and, and I think that's the difference. It's like you can have Aaron Judge go and hit 62 home runs, hit for a 317 average, and 115 RBIs or whatever it was last year where he nearly had a triple crown and still not have the best all-around lineup because this Yankees lineup, the back end of it has Aaron Hicks and Jose Trevino. Like, Jose Trevino, great defensive catcher. Decent at the plate, not amazing. Uh, Aaron Hicks, eh, he's not even been on the field really in the last like four years, so we don't really know what we're going to get with him. Donaldson was pretty, pretty bad last year. Don't really expect him to to be that big of a factor. But you do have these young guys in Oswaldo Cabrera and, and Oswald Peraza. Wow, that's hard to say back to back. Can't believe I got those right. Um, that they could really improve this lineup if they have the breakout seasons that I think everyone's expecting them to have. The front end of the lineup also really good with Glaber. Uh, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton. Like, if those guys are healthy, that's a good lineup. But you do have Hicks, Trevino, Donaldson, kind of that group in there. Um, I think there's a couple other lineups that we should probably mention. I think the uh, the Red Sox lineup is not... It doesn't look good on paper. Let's just say that. But I think there is a chance that this lineup could be surprisingly good. So this is a lineup that's going to have rookie Tristan Casas, Rafael Devers, who I think we can all agree is a superstar hitter. Um, Justin Turner coming in, even though he's a little bit old, he'll keep the average up for the for the um, lineup. Masataki Yoshida, who we saw with a big three run home run last night in the WBC. Um and then Alex Verdugo, who's um, been a solid player in the past. He's he's kind of got off to a rough start here in spring slash um, the WBC. But like those six, if they all play the way that we kind of know that they can, that could be a solid starting six or first six. And then you kind of have Duvall, Reese McGuire, Christian Arroyo that like they all have their their pluses, but they're not all around great hitters. So. Yeah, definitely. That middle of that lineup is really interesting with Turner, Yoshida, and Verdugo all having really similar skill sets where they make a lot of contact, don't strike out, don't necessarily have the most power, but then who knows what we're going to get from Yoshida. He's kind of an unknown for us at this point, and he's just taken the WBC by storm. I think he's gone 9 for 19 during the tournament. Like, yep, the with 13 RBIs. They don't just give out $90 million contracts to random guys. Like He's got really good skills. We, we're just not quite sure how it's going to translate. So there's definitely some unknowns in this lineup, too, with the bottom, like you mentioned, like Adam Duvall in center field. That just feels weird in itself. 
and he's kind of on the older side too. It's like, can he, first off, can he handle center field? Second of all, can he hit? I mean, he's just a couple of years removed from hitting nearly 40 bombs in a season. So he's got the power, but had a really down season last year. So not sure what's left in the tank for Adam Duvall. Um, yeah, so this lineup is got some interest, intriguing guys in it, and obviously superstar Devers. But let's talk about the Blue Jays. I think our favorite lineup in this division. Yeah. Yeah, Hands so the down. Blue Jays just – they already had George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero, Alejandro Kirk, Matt Chapman um, in their lineup last year. And what did they do? They went out and they got uh, Dalton Varsho, who uh, kind of played some catcher last year with the Diamondbacks. He's got a ton of power. I think he hit near 30 home runs last year uh, in his first full season in the big leagues. Amazing defender. Uh, Blue Jays have really kind of emphasized defense in the last few years by adding Matt Chapman at third base. And then this year, bringing in Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer, who he's not the best hitter, but when he's your nine hitter, he still brings something extremely valuable to the team in that he can get on base a little bit, steal some bases, kind of turn the lineup back over to the top and let those other guys mash. Like, love this lineup. Yeah. So, uh, Varsho had 27 home runs last year. So you were pretty much, or you were right there. Um, and this is a team that also brought in Brandon Belt to uh, be uh, their DH and kind of switch off and on with Danny Jansen. And I, I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, platoon there with those two guys, if that's how they really do it. Um, but yeah, th- this is a lineup that's got it all. Like It's got high average guys in uh, Bo Bichette and Vlad, guys with these elite hit tools. Um, it's got guys with a lot of power. Uh, again, I'm going to point to Vlad. Uh, There's Dal- up and down this lineup, right? Dalton Varsho, George Springer, Bo Bichette. These are all guys that are uh, uh, Matt Chapman. These are all 30 homer potential guys. Yeah. Um, and even the guys that aren't 30 homer potential are 20 homer. <laughs> and like Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk, like Kevin Kiermeyer is easily the least power guy on this team. Um, they've got speed. Because uh, like Bo's going to go out and steal you probably 15 bags. Springer's probably going to get you about 10. Uh, Merrifield is probably still going to get you around 15, even though he's a little bit on the older side. So like this is a lineup that can do it all. And it's going to be really, really fun to watch them. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think that there is really any question that they are the best lineup through and through in this entire division. Yeah. Just one other point on the, there was a, there was kind of a knock on the blue Jays. Oh, they were too right-handed. They're not going to be able to match up against tough right-handed pitchers in the uh, postseason. I think that was a little bit overblown, but they actually kind of addressed that this off season by sending out Lourdes Gurriel, bringing in left-handed Varsho, uh, bringing in left-handed Kiermaier. So got, got a couple more lefties in that lineup now too. Yeah. So, All right, so we've got our lineup. So now it's time that we build the rest of our team. And admittedly, we are going to probably call into 
factor some of the hitting stats for some of these other positional groups for the infield outfield. But ultimately, we're looking for the defense. Um, so. But is there another grouping here that you think is a really obvious this is the one to go with? Because um, it's going to start to limit us as we run out of for infielders and outfielders or, or anywhere for, for all of the four left. So starting pitching, sure. relief pitching, infield, outfield. Is there anything that's obvious to you? The one that stood out to me that you did not it didn't you didn't agree with it like right off the bat. I guess not that you're against it was raise pitching, starting pitching specifically. Um, I think that group is like really underrated. Maybe it's just because they're raised pitchers. But they've got the five guys that are penciled in right now, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Zach Eflin, Jeffrey Springs, Yanni Chirinos, Tyler Glasnow is injured to start the season. So when he comes back, that'll give that group a major boost. But the guys that are actually there right now are all uh, above average pitchers. In the case of McClanahan, he's an elite pitcher. We saw him do that last year in the first half before before his injury. So hopefully kind of the fade down the stretch was just um, that injury kind of lingering. He looked good in the postseason start. So hopefully uh, full strength McClanahan can put up a full season of, of dominance like he did in the first half last year. The middle guys are pretty interesting too, like Jeffrey Springs, who was a complete no-name guy going into last season. He was he had been a reliever his entire career. And then he starts starting games and just dominating. Um, and now he's he's got himself a contract extension and a full-time job as a starting pitcher for the Rays. And and just like one general point about this Rays rotation, all the guys in it are legitimate starters. We know the Rays are pretty famous for their opener strategy that they've used pretty much every year for the last like five plus years. This year, they don't actually have any like opener situations. They have legitimately five plus starters. They have depth behind these five guys too. Yeah. And, and this is a team that um, I don't, I don't think you mentioned them yet, but uh, they just put Tyler glass now back on the IL with a uh, strained oblique. He will be back at some point this year after being out last year with you did. Oh, my bad. Uh, But yeah, he was out last year with Tommy John. But once he comes back, this rotation looks even better. And honestly, that was kind of the main thing that made me initially think maybe this isn't the best starting staff. Um, My initial thought was that it was the Yankees uh, because the Yankees are sitting here uh, rocking out Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Domingo Herman, Clark Schmidt, and Nestor Cortez every five days and Nestor showed us last year just how good he can be. Do I expect him to follow it up with that performance or better? Probably not. I expect him to be, I think he could, he could definitely do it again. Like I, no doubt in my mind, I think we're probably going to see something a little bit just like a quarter step down from that is kind of where I think the expectation is for me, but he could very well exceed that. And I wouldn't be shocked. Clark Schmidt is one of these young guys who he got some starts last year. Uh, I think he got a couple starts the year before, but he's not been a regular guy in the in the staff, um, but he'll get a, a shot at it coming out of the gate. And he's one of those guys who has like mid to high threes ERA potential pretty easily. 
Um, Garrett Cole is obviously the ace of aces. Um, we've seen what he could do from his days in Pittsburgh, his days in Houston, even last year. Basically, the only time that I've ever seen Garrett Cole not be freaking amazing was like the one week after they started enforcing the spider tech rule. Just that one week. And then he was good. So like this is a this is a rotation where you could realistically see three to four of those guys with ERAs that are in the low to mid threes. Like totally. And and there's one guy you didn't even mention who really could make or break the Yankee season. That's Carlos, Carlos Rodon, Rodon. Who may only be missing like a short amount of time. He kind of downplayed the injury. It's a forearm thing, said, Oh, it's not a big deal. If this was regular season, I'd be pitching through it. But obviously the Yankees want to be extremely careful with the guy they gave a $162 million for the yeah. next seven years. So, I mean, if you get like prime Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, and then Severino from a few years back, then I totally agree. This rotation is like better than the Rays. It's better than anyone, maybe better than any other team in the league. You yeah. could make the argument, but, um, it's just hard to see like Severino after he hasn't really pitched a full season in so long. Rodon's constant health issues. Other guys um, like Cortez is also dealing with, with kind of a minor injury too. So I got some concerns with this rotation in general, and I don't know who they have behind Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman to take more starts. I mean, they're, Luis Gill probably is their first go-to guy. Right. Is he really? That's that's not a good sign. Um, but yeah, so no, I I definitely agree with you kind of talking through this, that uh, the Rays rotation definitely has more depth. I think the upside for this Yankees rotation is obviously the highest. Um, but. I think if you're building a mega team, you want one that's going to be really good and deep. So I kind of agree with you there. But before we move on to the next thing, I kind of want to give some of these other rotations a, a little bit of attention here. Um, the Blue Jays have a great rotation, by the way. Like, they're uh, projected to be the third best rotation in the division, but that's still with a, um, a starter's ERA that's probably south of four. I don't have that exact number, um, but it's like they've got guys, Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, all those guys are usually around the like mid three ZRAs. Um, Barrios uh, is a pretty solid pitcher in his own right. You say Kikuchi did not have a good season last year, but there's no way he's that bad again, is there? Yeah, he's looking really good in the spring, and he seems like he's won that fifth starter's job. Yeah. Uh, but then we kind of look over at the other two teams uh, in the Orioles and the Red Sox. The Orioles are still a little bit on the uh, they haven't started addressing their starting staff yet. Uh, they're waiting for some of their young pitchers uh, like Grayson Rodriguez, who I think is projected to be here in the starting rotation to start the year. Um, they're looking for DL Hall. They're looking for uh, that's the problem. Actually, you're searching for names. There isn't a whole lot of starting pitching depth in this system. And yeah, so much on the and position player side. It almost feels like they've got to swing some trades and bring in some more talent. They just do not have enough. The fact yeah. that the biggest like impacts they brought in were Kyle Gibson. Everyone knows who he is at this point in his career. And then they traded for Cole Urban, who's 
pretty much their number two starter and he's not really a difference maker. Like he can maybe be a league average type starter, but he's not the guy you want to be your number two. Yeah. We've never seen Grayson Rodriguez in the majors and I feel pretty confident in saying he's the best pitcher on their staff. Yeah. He's going to be very good. I feel like that's not like debate. well, I'm just saying that that's where I'm concerned. It's like, it's easy to say the guy who's not played in the majors is the best guy on your staff. It's not really a, a statement you want to be able to make unless you have a good staff, but he's just a phenom, which I mean, he kind of is a phenom, but beside my point. So, uh, but then the, the Red Sox though, let's kind of take a quick look at them. So they've got Corey Kluber, Chris sale, two guys who are injured a lot. Um, they're both really good. Kluber less so than he used to be. If Sale still has that wipeout slider, I mean, dude is only 34. He's got almost no mileage on his arm in the last four years. So as long as he knocks the rust off, but then they got Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck, who is expected to be back in the rotation. Cutter Crawford, Brian Bayo is uh, kind of down at AAA, pretty close to the majors. So They've got options for some of these guys, especially if you see like Chris Sale or Kluber go down. They'll bring Brian Bella or Bayo up. After that, I don't really know what their depth is. They yeah, got uh, kinda... Big Maple if he can ever shake the injury bug, but um, yeah, good luck. With I don't that. know if that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, th- this uh, rotation is not. I mean, it's okay, I guess. I feel it's more very, confident in it than I do in the, the Orioles, Orioles rotation. That's that's very true because these guys are, for the most part, veterans. Like Kluber, Salem, Pavetta, they've been around for a while. They've been doing this for some time. And then guys like um, Tanner Howe, Cutter Crawford, and um, Garrett Whitlock, who might actually start too, they're all oh. pretty interesting pitchers. Yeah, um, and like we've seen what Tanner Howe can do in both the starting and relief role, and he's really good at both. Like he's got that Chris Sale slider, but right-handed, and he's he's really really dominant when he's on. So like we know what we can get from him. I Garrett Whitlock is kind of in the same boat where like we've seen him pitch a decent amount. We kind yeah, he's of been dominant out of the bullpen. If he yeah. can translate to starting, he's going to be really good. So, all right, so. Just to to reiterate, so we're taking the Blue Jays lineup in the Rays rotation, right? Yes. All right. So now I think is where things start getting a little bit interesting because we have to take the Yankees, Red Sox, and Orioles and get an infield, outfield, and bullpen out of it. So... I think what I want to go ahead and take make a pick here for for one of these positions, and I want to go for the outfield. And this is going to be a little bit of an interesting take for, I think, a lot of people. I, I don't think too many people are going to love this, but I'm going to take the Orioles outfield. Yeah, I'm passing up on Judge, and it's not because of Judge. I'm passing on the Yankees outfield because of Aaron Hicks. I'm passing on the Yankees outfield because of some of the depth they've got there. Like, but I will take the Orioles because Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes. 
Mullins was a breakout guy two years ago, and last year he basically followed it up with not quite as great of a season, but still a really solid season. He's a guy that goes out, gets like 30 stolen bases, really good defensively. Um, I think he was, what, 30-30 in 2021? I think so. And then last year he was around 20-30? Close. A little bit lighter on on the home runs, but yeah. Yeah, but that's more where I expect him to be is around 2030. Um, solid average, usually around 260. Um, but you pair that with the defense, with the speed, like you can you can stomach that. Anthony Santander broke out last year, I think, was kind of his his like true breakout season, right? Yeah, just massive power. He hit uh, 33 home runs. He's a switch hitter, probably the most powerful switch hitter in the league. Um, yeah. And for a guy with that much power, his average ain't too bad. Like he's still a 250 guy. He's not one of these guys that's got like 30, 40 home run power and only a 220 average. Like he can, he can hit the ball still. He's not Adam Um, Duvall. Yeah. So then your weakest link in the outfield is left fielder Austin Hayes, who is a solid hitter in his own right. Like Austin Hayes is probably a starting outfielder on pretty much any team, isn't he? Yeah, probably pretty. So at least half the teams, I'd say. Yeah, so I would I would gladly take that grouping over like an outfield where you have Aaron Judge and then the rest of it is kind of a carousel of health prospect and Aaron Hicks. Because like I love Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader is not going to be in the outfield for the Yankees to start the season. When he comes back, who moves out? Is it Hicks? Is it Peraza? Is it, um, do they have Willie Castro right now? Uh, the Willie Yankees, Calhoun. Or, Calhoun. Sorry. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, I think he's an NRI, so he might make the team. Yeah. Like that doesn't really inspire me so much from a depth standpoint, but like with the, with the Orioles, like you've got some, uh, some guys that can play in the outfield. Um, I think Ryan McKenna, who not really, Nah, he's not a great example, to be honest. Um, maybe their depth isn't that great. But all three of their starters I like. I think that's the difference. Yeah, At least for the opening sense. day roster. For sure, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in guys like Hicks. And uh, like uh, and Oswaldo Cabrera, he seemed like he was interesting, but he's still unproven at this point. And he's primarily a shortstop. Or... No, Cabrera is the outfielder. Peraza is the infielder. I thought they were both primarily shortstops. I don't think so. Well, oh. maybe. I know that Cabrera played a lot of outfield last year. Yes, but I thought that was because they had shortstop filled and they needed an outfielder. And then now he's played it, so they're going to leave him there and then get Peraza up. Cabrera, Peraza. Shoot. Which one's which? We're, con- we're confused by the, the Oswald. So just bring Volpe up and just pick one of the Oswalds. <laughs> yeah. Because that way I can understand. Um, but yeah, are there any of these other outfields you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I really like the Blue Jays outfield with George Springer, who seems like he's completely healthy for, for the first time in a few years. Uh, Dalton Varsha is an awesome all-around player it seems like um yeah i don't know this this outfield's really good with even with kevin Kiermeyer's bat in there 
his well, it, defense makes up for it. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess so. technically we should be looking at this defensively anyway, since we've already picked a a lineup. But we also already took something from the Jays. But And I think, honestly, that's another area where I think it kind of supports taking the Orioles here, too. Because you've got the defense of both Santander and um, Cedric Mullins. And I, honestly, I'd take those guys over a lot of guys defensively. Um, they are not liabilities at all. Set is really good. Um, Santander for a corner outfielder, pretty solid, strong arm. Um, kind of exactly what you want. So, but yeah, I think the the one that scares me is is the Red Sox outfield. Like, I think Yoshida will be good offensively. I have no idea what he is on defense. Like. I've never heard anything about how he is on defense because he was, I think, a offensive first outfielder in Japan. So mm-hmm. they're going to put him up in front of the uh, the green monster. So we'll see how he learns to play that. Um, Verdugo kind of thought Verdugo should stay in center. So it's weird to me that they're moving him to right field to put Duvall in center. Yeah, he hasn't played a whole lot of center, I guess. In, in a while so maybe they're just not comfortable with him Kike played a lot of center last year and he's a very good defensive center fielder so I think ideally he'd be playing more center field but the fact that they don't have a shortstop right now is a big issue yeah Trevor Story going down and he's out for season right he's supposed to come back sometime later in the season okay but yeah that that's definitely a big hit and does have ripple effects that go all the way into the outfield there. For sure. Yeah. And the fact that Adam Duvall, I I already mentioned it, but he's the starting center fielder, center fielder. That's the best thing that they could come up with. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's quite a few guys still on the market, aren't there? There's (laughs) center field is always a tough one. There's not a lot of guys that can give you average offense. That can play that position. I'm sure Jorge Mateo's around somewhere. Yeah, he's on the Orioles. Trade for him. <laughs> Jerks and Profar literally just got picked up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's not a center I, fielder, but that's the problem. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but I feel like I would be more comfortable moving Profar to center field than, than Duvall. I suppose Duvall's played center field for the Braves and stuff before, so. Yeah, still don't like it. Oh, well. Um, All right. So that leaves us with the infield and the bullpen. Bullpen. Yeah. So let's talk about the the infield for the Yankees, because we need to get more confused by the Oswalds and the Oswaldos. So we'll talk about the the known guys that we we know. um, Anthony Rizzo is playing first base for the Yankees. He was really great last season. He got a new contract with them, and um, everyone's saying that the shift is really going to help his batting average and everything. I think he's going to continue just selling out for power and try to hit 30 home runs again. Um, Obviously, you know, good defender too. Josh Donaldson, he feels like he's very important to the Yankees' success this year in some ways because last year, not his best year, probably his worst year. Um, yeah, but defensively, 
he still showed he's got it. He's he's in a way above average defender at third base. So that's why I think he's gonna get a pretty long leash for staying in this lineup because they don't have like another guy that, that can necessarily take that third base spot. And I'm I'm kind of bouncing I'm I'm kind of thinking we're gonna see some level of bounce back, not like MVP Donaldson or anything, but he's not gonna be as bad as he was last year. And you got oh. Glaber. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, why why haven't the Yankees tried to move in in the minors, at least on a part-time basis, Peraza or Volpe to third base? Why did they never try that? Because uh, like, I feel like the offensive production that you could potentially get out of those guys would justify them taking over third base. The one thing that comes to mind is that they're getting ready to trade one of those guys, and it, it's better to showcase them as a shortstop where they have the most value. That's and fair. See who can play it the best, because you know Peraza might be the best shortstop defender of the bunch, but he might not be the superstar hitter that Volpe is expected to be. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but it seems like they've got a logjam around this infield, and that's what I'm kind of getting to here. They've still got Glaber Torres who bounced back last year. They've got DJ LeMahieu. They've got um, Oswaldo Peraza and Oswaldo Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera. So you can't do it either. It's not just no, a me thing. It's impossible. Yeah. And um, am I missing anyone from this uh, infield? IKF. IKF is still in the picture. He does not feel like he's going to be Yankee for too much longer. No, he does not. He kind of feels like uh, what Joey Gallo was last year. So, guy who can play defense, really struggles with the bat. They're going to ship him out, and then he'll hope that he can rebound somewhere. So, and we'll see if Joey Gallo could do that here in the with the Twins this year after a temporary stopover in L.A. But, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see... The Volpe situation is kind of interesting because he's had a great spring, but he's obviously, you know, never played at AAA, not on the 40-man roster. They don't have to rush him up immediately. They can give Peraza the first crack at shortstop. I think that's what's going to happen here. Love that pause. You're like, <laughs> which one is it? I had to really look and make sure. Oh, my camera's out of focus. Oh, well. Um... Yeah, uh, I it's definitely not my favorite infield in the uh, in the division. I mean, there's a couple others that I'm I'm pretty interested in. Um, I think there's three pieces of the Orioles infield that I'm really intrigued by uh, Adley Gunner and Mountcastle. Adam Frazier and Jorge Mateo really feel like they're kind of placeholders in there waiting for some of these other guys to come up. Um Guys, kind of, we've talked about them quite a bit here, but uh, it's not Colby Mayo. Who's the? They've the, got quite a few. Who, who's prospects. the one that's close? They're all close, right? Well, the Connor yeah, Norby. Ahead, Norby. Uh, that's the one I was trying to think of. Uh, yep. Jordan Westberg. Jordan Westberg, and there's one other guy. Uh, oh, maybe I was thinking Kowser, but he's an outfielder. Joey Ortiz, another shortstop yes. prospect. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of feels like Mateo and Frazier, probably more Mateo, are just kind of placeholders waiting for these guys to come up. Uh, 
Frazier is a good player. And I, I think they do need some veterans in this lineup to kind of help guide these young guys. And that's what it kind of feels like Adam Frazier is going to be. He, um, he's, a, he's a fine player, but he's also not a guy that's going to, like, they're not going to keep the job for him all year if he doesn't play well. He could easily true. get unseated. True. True. But I think that is what he brings to this team, though, is, is kind of more of that veteran mindset. Like, he's the only guy on the plus side of 30 on this entire team. Um, I think, yeah, even if you're factoring in the uh, pitching staff, there's only four. Like, you got Kyle Gibson at 34 years old, Michael Givens at 33, uh, Austin, Voth. Austin Voth at 30, roughly 31, and then Adam Frazier. That's it. So this is a really, really young team, and they're expecting a lot from these young guys. That's where I think it does kind of benefit, even if he's maybe not performing, to keep him around, even if it's on the bench. Um. Whereas Jorge Mateo is just kind of more of what you have where he doesn't really have all that much experience. He's never really proven to be like a phenomenal uh, shortstop. Yeah, Um, actually, he was a phenomenal shortstop last year. That's the one thing he does bring to the table. Okay, Phenomenal shortstop that can hit. Yeah, that part. He, He has clearly showed that he really cannot hit. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, it's not the best reason to keep a guy around, but it's a reason. And it's one that I think they'll probably consider. So especially if he kind of takes over that clubhouse leader role, um, which I don't know if he is. I don't really get to see the Orioles in spring, so I'm not really sure how that's going. But. Yeah, and then obviously the Jays infield. Kind of love it. They've Matt got Chapman over there at third base. Got several all-stars around the, the diamond there. Yeah, Matt Chapman at third, Bo Bichette at short. Like, you have really, really phenomenal defense at third base. Pretty good defense there at short. I mean, Bo's not the best shortstop in the league, but he's a pretty good one. Um, You got Vladdy over at first, who came up as a third baseman, so he's kind of got a little bit of athleticism there. Um. Whit Merrifield's probably the worst guy in that entire infield. Isn't he? Yeah. So. But yeah, so I, I think really what we're saying is this is, a, a again, a pretty stacked division. Yeah. Can, can I talk about the Rays infield? I feel like we haven't talked about the Rays too much. That's a good yeah. point. Go for it. Oh, so the Ray, actually, the, before you do, did you notice there is only one guy in the projected... Um, projected opening day lineup that was a u.s drafted player as opposed to an international free agent for the race yeah that's i thought that was really interesting like you usually see a bit more of a breakdown but for them it's literally just brandon low Lau, brandon Lau. Brandon Lau. yeah yeah so brandon Lau is on that infield he's second base um guy hit 39 home runs in 2021 people might have forgotten that um, he, he had some injuries last year. Guy could be one of the best hitting second basemen around in the league. Um, and then Wander Franco can't forget about him. Um, one of the most hyped prospects of the last 10 plus years, probably. And whether he hits for power, whether 
he makes any improvement from the player he was last year. He's a borderline elite player with his defense, base running, uh, incredible bat-to-ball skills where he's striking out like basically less than anybody in the league other than like Luis Arias and like a couple other guys maybe. Um, If he does put it all – yeah. If he puts it all together, this guy could be like a household name, you know, major superstar uh, talent. And then they got reliable Yandy Diaz and another young, interesting player in Isak Paredes who played really well during the WBC for Mexico. So don't sleep on uh, the Rays infield. It's pretty good, too. I do think the the part that kind of intrigues me the most is the fact that Christian Bethencourt is their catcher. I just, yeah. I kind of forgot he existed. Right. Christian Bethencourt kind of had a career revival last year where he was just barreling a bunch of balls with the A's. He got traded to the Rays. If the Rays trade for a catcher, they clearly think he's like good enough to play defensively and he can kind of hit. So, um, yeah, Bethencourt's good too. Yeah. The, as you'll notice, we're really not talking too much about the, uh, Red Sox infield. Or did we already do that? Maybe we yeah. already did. We didn't talk about remember. it, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, not really it's great. Not, it's not exciting to talk about because you have Rafael Devers and then you have a bunch of um, very like below average players, actually. It just feels like it's stuck taped together. Yeah. Because you have. TK Hernandez playing kind of out of position at shortstop. Um, you got just kind of a journeyman and Christian Arroyo. You don't have a true starting catcher. You have a Reese McGuire who's been a backup for years. Um, yep. And then Cassis is, is a good prospect who may end up being a really, really key piece of a future good Red Sox team. But that team is not this one. I think the the biggest missing piece that I could think of on this this Red Sox um, team is where is Bobby Dahlbeck? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know how he's been doing this spring, but it, it almost feels like how is he not, you know, cashing in on this opportunity with so many seemingly so many open positions, but probably Cassis has beat him out for the job. At this point, what what is Dahlbeck's position even? He's a first third baseman. So they have him, yeah, just projected as an infielder on the bench, kind of in a platoon, maybe getting at bats against the lefties. Um, Oh, I don't know how I missed that. I was looking down on the triple A. Yeah. Yeah, but just up the middle, like. As a whole, this this uh, up the middle defense and the players that are playing those positions, like you've got McGuire catching, you've got Hernandez and Arroyo up the middle, and then Adam Duvall in center field. So terrible, and, and, like defense. Yeah, and, and Kike normally you'd consider him part of a good middle of the uh, right, field, yeah, but throwing him at short as opposed to center field or second base, where I think are more of his natural positions. Like you're 
kind of just asking a lot of that guy. Like, yeah, he's played the positions before and he's been perfectly fine, but he's never been elite. At and he's never style. done it full time either. Yeah. So this is just them asking a ton of a proven veteran. And so could he do it? Yeah, probably. Um, but it, he's not going to be able to single handedly make this a really good team. And to be honest, that added stress of trying to do this new position every day may have an impact on his bat. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how that happens or how that works. So. Um, so I think that really leaves us with. Um, one group left, and that would be the bullpen. And by default, that goes to the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, and to be honest, the Red Sox do not have the best bullpen in this division, but it's hard to pick any of their other units. We've been just ripping them for 45 minutes here. Kind of rough starting pitching, a rough uh, defense and infield outfielders that we're not sure about slash aren't that great. So um, just overall, the Red Sox seem like they're the worst team in this division. I will say... They actually went out and they tried to make improvements to their bullpen, which has been a big issue for them over the last few years. They brought in Chris Martin. Love, love that signing. He's a great pitcher, uh, super underrated. Um, they have Funny. guys like. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say they brought in Kenley Jansen. Yep. Um, that uh, Kenley is not the dominant Kenley that we had with the Dodgers, but he is still a really good pitcher. Yeah, still could be like the best pitcher in that bullpen for sure. And and then they brought in Richard Blyer. Uh, they've got some younger guys in there. It seems like it's a bit of an improvement over whatever they're putting out like the last couple of years. Well, and depending on where he ends up, which I, I think he might be hurt right now, uh, but Garrett Whitlock kind of makes that a significantly better right. bullpen as well. If Whitlock and um, Hauk end up back in the bullpen, that just upgrades that entire unit because those guys can go multiple innings. They've shown that they've can, they can be kind of dominant in those shorter outings. So, yeah. His, his Whitlock started pitching yet this spring because he had he hip has. surgery back in September. He has got so. into a few spring games, but they may be uh, kind of pushing him along a little bit slowly. He might start the year on the injured list. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but that'll, that'll definitely help make this bullpen look significantly better. It's just not going to be on day one. And if Tanner Houck ends up getting moved back to the bullpen for some reason, I don't see why he would. I think he's going to be a starter the whole year, but if for some reason he moves back to the bullpen, then honestly that bullpen looks significantly different and significantly better. Because if I were to just read you Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, uh, Tanner Houck, uh, Garrett Whitlock, and then guys like John Schreiber, Richard Blyer, Ryan Brazier. Yeah, you kind of go, huh. But then you think about it a little bit more and you're like, okay, they got four guys that they could actually maybe give the ball to and, and be confident in. And I think if you have four guys you could be confident in at any point, it's actually not a bad bullpen. So it's okay. Yeah. Let's not give them too much credit here. 
I said not a bad bullpen. I didn't say okay. it was a good bullpen. Should we talk about some good bullpens that actually do aren't that are around in this division? Yes, please. Like we can never ignore the Rays bullpen. They always come up with like three or four guys you've never heard of that are gonna just go out and dominate. My pick this year is gonna be uh, yes. I would just like to point out the Rays like to confuse me with names. How they've had Brandon Lau and then both Josh and Nate Lowe in the past uh, on the team together. Now they have Trevor and Kevin Kelly, but Kelly is spelled differently. (laughs) Yeah, so those are like, wow, yeah. And they were uh, acquired one month apart. How about that? Yeah. My pick, though, is Garrett Clevenger. Garrett Clevenger, he was on the Dodgers at one point last year. He um, only pitched 23 innings, but, you know, he throws 96 from the left side. He strikes out like 12, 12.5 batters per nine innings. Like, this is the guy that, that no one's heard of that's going to end up with a 150 ERA at the end of the year with a 35% K rate. Yeah, and you've got Peter or Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam who are kind of the two or the one-two punch that everyone knows about. Um so kind of throwing uh, Garrett, is it Clevenger or Clevenger? It's Clevenger. All right. So you're throwing Garrett Clevenger, Colin Poche, uh, who's been pretty decent. Jalen Beeks has been pretty decent in the past. Like throw all those guys together and you've got a great bullpen. Like I, the, the only two that I don't know anything about are both of the Kellys that they're throwing at me now. So dumb. But uh, yeah. then the I think Yankees. the Yankees Yankees bullpen is kind of interesting because it's a little bit different. It doesn't have Chapman, you know, doing the closers thing this year. Clay Holmes was awesome, kind of taking over that role last year. He did falter with the injury a little bit down the stretch, but really talented pitcher. Jonathan uh, Loizaga has finally found a home in the yeah. bullpen for the Yankees. I think for the longest time they were trying to have him start and it just wasn't working out but they moved him to the bullpen last year and he he looked like a completely different guy like totally michael king's amazing juan du peralta is really good yeah this is a really good bullpen in itself ron marinaccio he just has a fun name but uh let's see i was trying to pull up loisica's stats but it's going a lot slower than i thought it would yeah, so in 48 innings last year, uh, oh, I guess it was 2021 when Loisaga really broke out in the bullpen. Uh, 57 appearances in 70 innings in 2021 with a 2.17 ERA, um, striking out about, uh, wait, where's the, 24% of batters, um, only walking 5%. He did have a bit of a down year last year with a 4.13 ERA only striking out about 18% of batters um, in 48 innings. But but still, he has been significantly better out of the bullpen than he ever was as a starter. Um, and, and I think now that they know kind of how to use him, we'll start to see him be a, kind of a middle innings factor again. So, 
which leaves a couple of these other kind of random seeming guys uh, and young guys like Albert Abreu, um, Ron Marinaccio, Greg Weissert. Um, not exactly young, young, but as far as uh, time in the big leagues, they're all pretty young guys. So. Yeah, so I think that. Kind of gives us our team, so we've got the Blue Jays lineup, the Yankees infield. Yeah, the Yankees infield, the Orioles outfield, the Rays starting pitching and the Red Sox uh, relief pitching. I kind of like that team. I would I would love to have a better bullpen especially given the fact that the Rays uh, don't typically get a lot of length out of their starters over the course of the year. Um, I think the five guys that are currently projected to be in the starting rotation um, are projected to average about 140 innings apiece. Um, So you're definitely going to have to cover some more ground there because that's only about 124 games. Uh, So you got about another 40 games that you're going to have to cover somewhere. Um. Also, these are just projections, so maybe those five guys run with it and they get all 162 games. There's no injuries, nothing. Um, Not likely, but I think with that, um, if you're really only getting five, six innings, uh, a start out of these guys not named Shane McClanahan, um, you'd be looking for a slightly better bullpen, I think, than, than what we're getting out of Boston. But from a defensive standpoint and an offensive standpoint, I really like this team. So what are your thoughts on the team that we've built? I think the team will score a lot of runs with the Blue Jays offense. And uh, yeah, I think the the pitching will hold up. This team's going to win a lot of games this year. Yeah, and I mean, that's really all you need is for the pitching to hold up if you've got an offense like this. So... Uh, if you can get through five, six, seven innings with starting pitching that you really, really like, then you just have to piece together three, sometimes four innings a day. So. Yeah, would love to hear some of our listeners proposed team out of this AL East. Yeah, so the compares to ours. Yeah, so the caveat being, if you use a position from a team or a positional grouping from a team, that team is out for consideration of others. So one positional group per team, infield, outfield, starting pitching, relief pitching, and lineup. So let us know on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram how you would build this team uh, with the American League East. If you want to do it with some of the other divisions, we didn't use this format for any of our other division previews, but I'd love to hear those too. Um Maybe give a little bit of your reasoning if uh, if you think about it. But I think that's pretty well it for us today. Um, so thank you all very much. World Baseball Classic Final is uh, starting basically right as we're wrapping this up. Um, so we will try and cover that next week a little bit in our 100th episode. 100. Um, I've not talked about this with Gautham yet. I'm just going to spring it on him. I kind of think because it's episode 100, let's make it an interactive podcast. So we'll record it still. 
uh, as we always do. We'll put it up on um, all of podcasting platforms and YouTube. But I want to see the uh, live viewers here in our Twitch uh, chat ask us questions. It's the it's basically our season preview, um, kind of a WBC recap. So I feel like this is probably the perfect opportunity to do a little bit of a QA. and a um, You guys can ask about just the podcast in general, some of our favorite episodes, kind of what we're looking forward to this year. And I kind of want to do something like that. How's that sound to you, Gary? That sounds like fun. All right. I know I just sprung that on you and didn't really give you a chance, but I mean, hey, it's episode 100. Let's try and do something big. I'll see if I can come up with some other ideas for this episode, Um, but it'll be really fun. So make sure to tune in next week to see that. Um, Yeah, so I think that is pretty much it for us this week. So make sure to check out Getaway Day Cards over on YouTube. And then in the outro music, it will tell you about all of our other social platforms. So thank you very much and have a great rest of your day. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards.